Welcome to the Rare Find Voices podcast. My name is Robin Koenig, and I'm the CEO and founder of Rare Find. I'm a self-improvement junkie, certified professional coach, podcast host, and public speaker. And I'm a wife and mom of four teenagers. I'm an expert at helping people use their gifts to take intentional action and get intentional results. How do I do this? By helping you realize your gifts and use them as your superpowers. I love challenging people to think differently, see things differently, and then do things differently to create powerful change in their life. Each week, I'll share my voice or bring forward another rare find voice to help you uncover your gifts, step into that power, and allow your brilliance to shine through. Believe me, I know how it feels to struggle with feeling good enough, pretty enough, smart enough, successful enough, and deal with major life transitions such as getting married, getting divorced, changing jobs, or having kids. This podcast is for you if you want to be more confident in your own skin, transform your mindset, and get out of your own way. If you're ready to show the world your greatest gifts, then keep listening, because you are a rare find. So let's get started. Okay, well, welcome back to another episode of Rare Find Voices. I'm super excited. I have a special guest today. His name is Gareth Rayner. Gareth is the father of two kids. He's a certified professional coach with IPEC the founder of Level 6 Small Business Transformation, and a community steward of the Mankind Project in Central Texas, which is an international men's training and support organization that teaches emotional intelligence, leadership, and communication skills for men, and what it means to be a man in today's society. He was born and raised in Australia. He's been in the U.S. for 13 years, 10 years of which in Texas. He was given a copy of Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill for his 21st birthday and has been in the mindset and personal development path ever since. He's been coaching since 2012 when he founded the Williamson County Wedding Association and started facilitating business development programs for his members. And now Level 6 Small Business Transformation is a team of IPEC grads who are focused on working with small family-owned business owners to help them get clear on where their business is going and how to get there so they can spend more time with their kids. Welcome to the show, Gareth. Thank you, Robin. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited because, first of all, we know each other through Level 6, which has been an awesome experience. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But you've got a really interesting background. <laughs> well, it's, there's a couple of decent stories in there. I'll, I'll grant you that. Yes. A couple of decent stories. Okay, well, how about you share with us a little bit about your background and what led you to doing what you're doing today? Gotcha. All right. Well, I guess um, skipping through everything up until the age of about 30, because, <laughs> um, yeah, that's a story for another, for another day. But I actually, um, well, going back 10 years or so now, maybe a bit longer than that, I actually hired my first business coach because I had started and failed a number of businesses up until that point. And um, I had an idea for a, for a business, but I just didn't know what industry to put it into. So I knew what the model looked like, but I didn't know the industry. And then what came to mind, strangely enough, um, was the wedding industry. And so um, I became a certified wedding and event planner back in uh, 2009, 2010, I believe it was, um, started um, this was up in Iowa, so I started Weddings of Des Moines up there, which was designed to bring all the, the, the wedding vendors together in Des Moines and basically create a community of wedding vendors. Um, but then I think I was shoveling ice off the driveway one morning <laughs> back in 2010. It was minus 21 degrees outside, and 
you know, I had all sorts of stuff, you know, coming out of my face and all sorts of places. And I went inside after we got done and I told my now ex-wife that um, life's too short and we're going to get the hell out of there because, um, you know, being raised in Australia where it's um, quite pleasant most of the year round, uh, being in Iowa and in that, in that freezing temperature was not something that I wanted to spend my life doing. So, um, so we packed up and came down here, but, you know, the, the whole wedding story was I became a certified wedding and event planner. We moved to Texas and I wanted to start a business um, as a wedding coach, um, you know, helping couples through the wedding planning process, not necessarily planning it for them, but just being a coach to help them along the way. Because, um, you know, I think looking back on it now, how you plan, well, my theory was how you plan your wedding was how you're going to show up in the marriage. And there was a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of good feedback and a lot of pushback as well as how, you know, that idea um, unveiled. But um, needless to say, the, the tagline that I had was let's get the guys involved. Um, didn't come across too well in Texas. So um, the business didn't last very long, but you know, the reason I share that is because when I first moved down here to um, Williamson County, um, doing all the networking with the caterers, the venues, the photographers and everything, I kept asking, you know, where's a good place to network? And most of them said, well, you have to go all the way down to Austin if you want something, because there's nothing up here, but it'd be great if there was something. And so, you know, me being the entrepreneur that I am, thought, well, there's something to that. So I basically started the Williamson County Wedding Association. So I didn't have to drive all the way to Austin to network. Nice. And um, as a, you know, as part of that, um, I helped, you know, I had the help of my business coach at the time. Um, I had been reading E-Myth, um, you know, why, most small businesses don't work on what to do about it for quite some time. Um, and a few other, my favorite books. And I was sharing some of the content with a few of the members one day and they said, well, we should get together and put a group um, in place for the members of this wedding association. Cause I think there'd be a lot of value in that. So went ahead and did that and put together a nine week group with 12 members and it was just extraordinary. And what kind of progress they made and what kind of relationships we were able to create while we we're going through that content. Um, and I think towards the end of that, I, that's when I realized this is what I really wanted to do. Um, I was good at it. I was passionate about it. I didn't care much for the wedding industry. So I dropped that, but I kept the coaching. I love that story. Okay. I have so many things I already wrote down here. So yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of interesting things in common, right? So, um, so I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Chicago, went to school in Indiana and a thousand percent agree with you. Now I didn't have that background prior to that of the nice weather that I wanted to escape, but I knew that I did not want to live in the day after day snow and cold weather. So I packed up and moved to California um, to escape that. And I have not looked back ever since. Um, the other interesting thing, okay, I had no idea about your wedding coach background, but I was a bridal consultant oh, wow. for a while. And it was interesting because it was also after I was already a certified coach and I was kind of just doing it on the side. I was also a dating coach. So it was kind of this unique oh, wow. mix yeah. of like, I'm a dating coach, but then I'm helping brides who have already, you know, kind of quote, figured it out, pick their dresses, which in the meantime, I'm literally coaching them in the dressing room, helping them get into these gowns and stuff because they're freaking out about trying to, you know, pick the perfect dress and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on something which is a very stressful thing yeah. and so all I kept thinking was this is actually a really great coaching opportunity although I'm doing it while they're naked in a dressing room so that was kind of weird but they trusted me so <laughs> it worked out well so 
that's just a funny little side story about the common common things that we've both kind of experienced as far as businesses. But I do want to ask you, you mentioned about how you started a business essentially to solve a problem, mm -hmm. right? You saw something missing. Yeah. And what I understand, what I know about you just in the short time that we've known each other is that's a really big part of how you approach things, like really looking for ways to solve a problem. Am I, am I right on that? Well, specifically in regards to the primary driver around going into business or starting a business or succeeding in business is really getting clarity on what problem is out there, who has the problem and you know, how many instances of that problem do you want to design your business to solve? Mm -hmm. And that's really the, the, the heart and soul of everything. And I think if people, you know, when my clients start seeing their business as a means for problem solving, as a means for generating revenue, it becomes a whole different ballgame. Because now you can ask the question of, well, how many people in this country or in this world have this problem? And how many actually do you want to try and help solve? Um, so it changes the game as far as mindset goes, which I love. Yeah. And it's cool too, because, um, what, what I've learned just again, working with you and not only being a client, but also now working with level six team is, um, that there's usually more possibilities out there than what you think, you know, like it's really scary sometimes for, for business owners to narrow down their niche, to narrow down their, you know, their target, their ideal client, because we're afraid if we don't cast this big wide net, nobody's going to buy, nobody's going to, you know, want what we have. But the yes. reality is, when you start to actually like look at the numbers, it's remarkable how many people out there have that problem, even when it's really, really, really like very specific. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And as my coach likes to say that if you can go, um, if you can go niche, you'll take the whole market. That's good. I yeah, like that. I like that saying. Um, and again, <laughs> to be more specific about that, if you can, um, it's not necessarily about ind industry or gender, but it's, it's the who you serve, how you serve them, and predominantly why you serve them is probably the most important part of the, of the branding exercise. But yeah, like you said, the more narrow you can go, the more it, acti uh, you know, it activates that particular activating system. So you start paying attention to where um, those problems exist and how better to articulate um, your position in being able to solve those problems. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, it's weird the way that my mind works too is having been in the dating industry because I was also a matchmaker for a while mm -hmm. <laughs> is I used to tell that to all my clients as they were looking for compatible mates because everybody was like, no, I don't really have any, you know, um, you know, specifics other than like physical appearance. You know, they always had specific things. But other than that, no, no, it's fine if this is fine if that, because they wanted to cast this huge wide net. Yeah. And I kept saying, go deeper into the pool. Let's not make the pool bigger. Let's shrink the pool and go deeper. You've got to, you know, that's the way that you're going to actually find somebody that is compatible. So I take that also to my business mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think that I know there's a way to find a, quote, compatible, you know, client or customer for what I have to offer when I go deeper. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> if you can tap into um, the authenticity that's coming through the, what you're passionate about, even better so. A thousand percent. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Okay, so I'm curious when, I know you, you didn't wanna tell us all the great stories that you've had growing up and stuff, but I would love to know if you, like when you were growing up, does what you're doing now fall into line at all with things that, you know, maybe you thought about as a kid or had in mind as you're, you know, 
growing up or had certain interests or even went to school for? Like where you are now, does any of that even line up at all? <laughs> um, yes and no. Because uh, I, I certainly wasn't raised with the entrepreneurial mindset because my parents are still um, questioning who the heck would pay for somebody to, you know, help them with their mindset and you know, <laughs> talk to them about where they want their business to go. But um, I guess I haven't done a really good job of articulating to them what it is that we do. Um, but now growing up, I, you know, my dad was um, in, in politics, I guess. Well, he wasn't actually a politician, but he served um, in public service. And I think he got up to like three levels below the prime minister. Um, so, you know, he worked pretty hard. He was gone at seven. He was home by seven thirty at night. Um, didn't see him all that much. So, I would imagine that's probably one of the primary drivers around the niche for me, as far as working with family-owned businesses who are spending, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty hours a week on the business and not being able to spend the time with their kids that they really want to. Right? Yes, they want to be able to build a financial future and financial stability for the families, but at the same time, they have the fear around missing out right now you know, while the kids are where they're at. Uh, so that's probably one of the major drivers. Um, the second part is, you know, I, I had friends growing up that their, their families were all in entrepreneurs. They had their own businesses. They all succeeded. Um, some of the guys that I'm still friends with today, some of my best mates at home, uh, he took over his family uh, commercial air conditioning business about, 10 years ago, and he took that from a $30 million company to a $150 million company, I think is the last one. And that just inspires me to no end. Um, just be able to take something that you're passionate about, that you're excellent about, and have the ability to scale it in a way um, that, again, you can solve as many problems as you want to because you've got the infrastructure to do it, which you don't have the power to do when you're, when you work in a career and you know, your, your ceiling is almost limited by the company that you work for. But if you're, if you're in the company, then <laughs> there's only really one person that's responsible for that growth and that's you. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. I love that you shared that because, you know, it's not like you grew up in this environment where, you know, you saw this happening and you were inspired by it and knew that this was the path that you wanted to take. I mean, that's not uncommon. I mean, I grew up with a very, you know, kind of traditional family environment. You know, my mom stayed home with the kids or she was a teacher then also. And then, um, you know, my dad worked in the corporate world for a very, very long time. And when I decided to pack up my bags and move to California and be a freelance wardrobe stylist, they were like, what, uh -huh. what, wait, what are you thinking? What? Yeah. And at the same time, and this has always been such, um, you know, I'm so grateful for their support because my dad, who could even easily just kind of been like, you're crazy. And, you know, no, like my youngest daughter, he said, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I support you. Like, I have, I still don't really know what you're planning on doing and I'm terrified, but I know that you will be successful. And he has said that every day, pretty much ever since, you know, I left home. And so I think that goes a really long way when you're giving your support to someone and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're basically saying, I don't even understand this, but I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to be there, whatever you need. And I feel like a lot of what coaches do is removing the judgment, being there as a confidential go-to resource, supportive, you know, the, the cheerleader, but at the same time, still going to call you out on stuff mm -hmm. with like from, from a place of care and, and love and, and, you know, 
wanting to give them the best opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you and I both went to IPEC um, and got our, our credentials from there. And I really like the fact that what I've experienced working with you is you have this very, like, no-nonsense approach, but with complete approachability, if that makes sense. Like, I find it very easy to, to talk with you, but I also know that you're going to call you, you know, you're going to call me out or, or your clients on their BS, which you define as belief systems, but there's also, they're made up a lot, a lot of BS, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the three terms I use these days, belief system, blind spots, and bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But again, always making sure that we have permission to do so. Because uh, there's one thing I've learned along the way is that people do not like to have their BS messed with. Yes. Yeah. Especially if it's um, completely ingrained in who they are as, as human beings. So there's yeah, definitely ways to honor that, um, respect that, and also help people see it if it's not serving them. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's quite honestly, a lot of what, you know, coaching work can be extremely powerful, but it's also a relationship, right? It's a partnership that you're designing with every single client one at a time. It might look differently for every single person and the opportunities for them to grow and transform aren't dependent on the work that we're doing. It's really dependent on how open they are to, seeing new possibilities and growing and learning from that it's it can be it can be quite scary but at the same time once you develop that great relationship and partnership with your coach Mm -hmm. it can really change things like forever absolutely yeah i think one of the reasons why at the end of that connection conversation we asked them for permission to do one thing before we move into the into the discovery session is we need permission to for us to call them on the bullshit, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, if we don't have that permission, um, I don't think the coaching relationship is anywhere near as powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So, okay, so given the fact that um, you know, you you said you started and failed along the way, right? Your other businesses that mm-hmm. you you know you've worked on. What do you think the biggest learning was that you got out of both starting and failing in those other businesses? Uh, well, I can tell you that every single business that I've failed was me trying to do it all by myself. Every business that succeeded, at least to a certain extent, has been because I surrounded myself with um, good people and recognized that they had capacities and strengths that I didn't have and, um, and vice versa. And so, you know, that's what we're doing now is just surround myself with um, eight other amazing people that all want to, you know, be a part of this, this team. And I think that's probably more to do with it than anything. It's, it's building that collaboration and that team atmosphere. Um, you know, I, yes, I may be the person who started this level six transformation, but it's certainly I'm not going to be the, the person who's driving the whole thing because like we've said on our calls, um, bringing a group of people like a mastermind, like we have together and coming up with ideas and what's going to work for all of us is going to be the best solution. And, I know for a fact that I, I don't have access to that level of intelligence by myself. So I've got to surround myself with just amazing people that inspire me and, you know, with a good plan and amazing people, you know, what we can accomplish is way beyond their expectations. 
That's awesome. And definitely one of the reasons why I was, you know, intrigued in the initial discussions that we had about what level six was all about. And, you know, quite honestly, because having, you know, run my own coaching practice for three years, the biggest thing that I find myself struggling with is, you know, not having a a team of people to Mm -hmm. kind of like do the work together, not just get it done, but like celebrate it, learn from it. You know, I mean, I spent, I spent, you know, 12 years in the corporate world. I spent six years running a nonprofit. Like I'm used to the environment of a team Mm -hmm. and, you know, being able to like just out of nowhere, be like, Hey, you know what? We got to solve this problem. Let's kind of figure something out for this. And everybody kind of putting their heads together. And so, you know, I think what I've seen now in the last couple of years, especially in our industry is that interest in putting more and more heads together. Even if, you know, like, I may still want to have my own business, you know, have rare find is my, that's my business. But at the same time, man, what a great opportunity to extend it, you know, and complement it with working with level six team and saying very specifically, these are the kinds of small businesses that I can help because a, I believe in the philosophy. I believe in the, you know, the reason why, like you said, and I know that I can very specifically identify the kinds of businesses that I want to work with, my ideal clients, that is unique to, you know, even the rest of the team. And so I think what's been really cool about formulating level six with you and with everybody else has been to see everybody really shine. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's bringing out their gifts. Everybody's contributing in a way. And we're really like uniting, you know, like, blocking arms, right? And kind of like bringing this to life, but so inspired and excited because of the, um, the methodology that, that you did bring to the table. So, you know, when I talk a lot about gifts, I love to share, you know, the reason why we have these like skills and talents, I believe is to share it with other people. That's why we call it a gift. It's meant to be shared. And so, you know, for me, I, one of my gifts is communication. I mean, I'm, I do this podcast just because I literally want to be able to communicate and share stories and ideas. And, you know, for me, that's one way that I know I can help impact other people. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think of Gareth, when you think of a gift that you have that has helped inspire, or even I would say impact other people that you use as your superpower. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, and I think that the first thing that comes to mind is the methodology. Because um, I, th- I think I've always been kind of a systems thinker. And you probably don't know this about me, but I, you know, coming from the, the upbringing that I had, um, I never really thought, I didn't ever really saw the value of being in school. So, you know, what we were talking about earlier before you press record was, uh, you know, how are we inspiring our kids to do well in school when I never really felt the inspiration to be there myself. So I kind of feel like a hypocrite around that. But, um, you know, I so kind of did okay through school. I got my, my B's and my C's and everything, but I was never inspired to go apart from just kind of hang out with my mates and whatnot. Um, so needless to say, that didn't bide too well in terms of career progression. Um, you know, so when I got done playing baseball up in Iowa when I was in my late teens and I went back to Australia, I didn't have a lot of options. So I was in the blue-collar space for a while. Um, I cleaned toilets for a while. I was a boilermaker's assistant. I drove trucks. I drove pizza delivery cars. Um, and it was one afternoon I was picking up my wife from her place of work. She was an executive assistant for the, the director of IT at one of the big Australian um, government departments. 
and I struck up a conversation with that guy and we started talking about computers. And he said, do you know how to use a computer? I said, well, I've been keeping stats from a baseball team on Excel for years, right, as a baseball coach. And um, he basically turned around and said, you don't strike me as a truck driver. Um, how would you like an opportunity to come in and you know, be a software tester? I don't know if your audience knows much about that, but essentially when people develop software, they write down what they think the software is supposed to do. The developers will code it. Um, you'll have testers that actually make sure that what was written matches the code and we move forward. So I got my start in IT back in 2005 and it was just something that I just happened to be really good at. Um, you know, so making $32,000 a year driving trucks, moving into this IT profession or software development as a quality assurance person, I went from doing that um, and then three years later becoming a, a lead quality assurance contractor with a different government department making $130,000 a year. So it was a pretty big jump, um, but I would say that that was probably my first um, wake-up call when it came to really tapping into something I was good at. And that was all about um, systems. You know, how to create a swim lane diagram to identify what's, where we are now, where do we want to be, how are we going to get there, what are the key performance indicators, what are the quality measures, how are we going to test this thing to make sure that we know that it works, right? And 15 years coming through that, I went through business analysis, I did project management, development and operations management. Um, and I think that's probably one of the gifts I have is to be able to see something and figure out how it works. Like from a, um, I guess a visual perspective and then put it down on paper and make sense of it, right? So take the complex things and put them down on paper and help me help people make sense of it. And then put a diagram in place so that when people look at it, cause I'm a, I'm a visual learner, if you will. Um, making the complex things seem a little bit easier uh, is probably one of my greatest gifts, which is where I think the wheel comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, just so that people understand, not ever maybe having heard of level six or what we do, can you just give a quick brief description of this wheel? And then I wanna come back to what we were just talking about. Sure, yeah, so um, if anybody's ever worked with a coach or you know done a career assessment, there's a there's a coaching tool called the wheel outside the wheel of life or the wheel of leadership or the wheel of relationships. Um, in this case, we, I created something called the, the wheel of business, which um, incorporating the work that we did at IPEC with energy levels, um, it has eight different sections. So the first section is energy leadership um, and how do we use our emotional intelligence to recognize and control um, our own energy and the energy of other people's, right? So that they can be the most effective they, they can be in any given situation. And then the other seven sections of the business wheel is your typical, you know, tangible areas of the business, which is strategic direction, uh, financial planning and money management, branding, um, people management, or what I like to call it function management, because trying to manage people is a mugs game and you shouldn't even bother trying because we're extraordinarily complex human beings. Um, but then you've got delivery, sales and marketing, right? So having all of those sections in a wheel and, different levels of maturity within each of those sections gives us a means to be able to really quickly identify the strengths, weaknesses and gaps that a business has um, and know specifically what needs to be done in what order in order to get that business to the next level. Yeah. And it, it's so powerful. And I, and I say that from a client perspective because I've, done the work myself, have been doing the work myself with you. And then also from a coaching perspective, like, it's just, it, it's like, it has such a wonderful simplicity, but it really does identify the areas that from a 
business perspective, these are critical. They really are. And not having one, and this is kind of where the wheel comes to life, is like when you have, you know, uh, low maturity or low, you know, engagement on any of those areas, your wheel is misshapen. You know, you, you could be at the same place, you know, um, with all of those areas, maybe not to full maturity, but your wheel is still fairly rounded. But when you've got areas where, you know, maybe you're not doing anything when it comes to financial management, or maybe you haven't even thought at all about strategic planning, but Hey, you got marketing dialed in. Well, your wheel will not rotate comfortably. It's going to be a bumpy ride, right? That's really the whole visual of the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You you bring out marketing because, you know, one of our, um, key thoughts around, you know, level six is we focus on marketing last, not first, right? Which is contrary to what a lot of other people are saying out there in the marketplace. That if you don't have a marketing strategy in place, then you're never going to succeed, which is true. But, um, you know, I think it's the last thing that we need to be looking at. Yeah. I don't know how much time we have to go into that. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, you know, are you going to, are you going to buy the shoes to then, you know, go with the dress you have, or are you buying the dress to match the shoes? <laughs> like, well, it depends how cool the shoes are, I would imagine. But. <laughs> no, but I, but I hear you. Um, and again, you know, a great learning and understanding to say, you know what, there are so many elements here and it's not that, you know, it's not that a business needs to be completely a hundred percent rocking it in every single area, but we really want people to just like, look in the mirror, look at their business, be able to call it out if something really isn't to that point and then help them. So it's a blend of the, um, I like, you know, the fact that it's consulting and coaching, Mm -hmm. which is a hybrid. So we can help people say, these are the ways that you can do this, right? Give them some of the ways to approach it. And at the same time, coach the mindset around it. Why, why, what is getting in your way when it comes to you developing a strategic plan? Let's talk about that for a second. Right. You know, so mindset comes in very powerfully. And so, you know, you were, you were talking about how, you know, your gift is being able to, what I wrote down is like, break it down, right? See it, break it down, disseminate it. So then somebody else can then be able to do something with it, right? Like take some kind of action or bring something to life. Like I consider myself a highlighter. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm able to like look at something and it could be a whole lot of stuff. But I'm able to say like, this is what you want to, this is where I want you to put your focus. Like that's the highlighting part. And so I feel like you're kind of a combination between like the highlighter, but also like the Sharpie, like you're getting the ideas out there and also saying, and then this is how you can actually use this, right? And not have it feel so overwhelming. Did I just completely make up like a bizarre analogy for you? Oh no, it's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) okay let me go back to mindset because um again from a coaching perspective it's one of the biggest things that we get to do in working with clients so do you have an example from your own uh you know life experience where maybe you had um a situation or some you know a view of something that was very negative that you were able to shift your perspective to a more positive mindset or approach Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll have to say that it came from me working with my coach mm. as well. Um, and, you know, going back about 10 years when I first started being introduced to the world of business coaching, um, and it was about getting out there and making offers, you know, and being in that conversation where 
you've basically got the sales hat on, right? And I was, I had some um, gremlins, if you will, how familiar are the audience with gremlins and um, the conversation around the, the inner thought patterns that border around the I'm not good enough message, right, that we tell ourselves. So, um, you know, I had one of those since I was about six or seven from a soccer field, you know, incident that happened when I was a young kid. And that kind of set me up for being very, very scared of being told no and being told, being rejected. And the message that I've had for a while was, um, I'm not welcome here. Nobody likes me. Right. And I took that all the way from five or six all the way up through, well, I guess till still working through it. Right. But I'm getting better at it. Um, but I think that the insight that I was um, shown about 10 years ago from my coach was the, the, even though that was the, the deepest seated, I would say, um, negative message that I had in my mindset, it was probably the thing that was driving most of my goal as well. Um, you know, because coming to Texas, I left, left Australia, didn't know anybody, moved to Iowa. My, my now ex-wife, we moved down to Texas, we didn't know anybody. Um, and coming into a town where you don't know a soul and you're introducing people for the first time trying to sell products and services, for me, it was extraordinarily difficult. Um, but what it also allowed me to do was create community, right? Because I was out there um, trying to introduce myself to people and just building, building, building um, a circle of friends and networking opportunities. And, but I think that the part of that process and that evolution was um, recognizing that I actually did have some value to bring to the table, right? And I was going back to the, um, the business development programs that we did with that with the members of that program um, and hearing the feedback from them at the end of the day around man this is so awesome there was so much stuff that was available in in the work that we did in the collaboration that we did that wouldn't have been possible unless you put this together right so just following my own passion and sharing my own excitement with people and even with the came down to reading a book that was written in 1985 right or even in 1930 by napoleon hill it's just sharing those particular concepts with people who haven't been exposed to them is enough of a gift um, and that's what my coach helped me save is because you know coming from a a new business perspective i always had the understanding that why would anybody want to talk to me i haven't built a 10 million dollar business before Right. Um, and that was the mindset. Well, I haven't done it before. Therefore, I'm no good at being a coach. Uh, but he also said that the point of being a coach was not to have been there and done that because that's mentorship. Right. The point of being a coach is to see the genius within other people and invite them to look at that for themselves. And help them find out what they're capable of and hold, hold them accountable to figuring out what they're capable of. And to me, that was probably the shift because I had always been pretty good at doing that. Um, you know, seeing the gifts and the, the potential of everybody in my environment, you know, and having that empathic um, ability to see that the person sitting over there in the corner, they're not sitting over there because they want to be by themselves. They're probably sitting over there because they're too scared to meet and introduce themselves to people. Um, so I still see myself sitting over there by myself in the corner these days and I'll go up and say good day to somebody and just say, Hey, nice to meet you. Right. Um, and I guess they, I think what the psychiatrists call it transparency these days as opposed to projections or what have you. But um, when I see people sitting by themselves and in isolation, I always tugs at me a little bit. And because uh, I know how I felt when I was isolated and it wasn't very enjoyable. 
Um, so now it's really, you know, when I think about sales, kind of bringing that round to full circle, when I think about sales, it's really about um, making invitations as opposed to convince somebody to try and do something they don't want to do. Um, giving them an opportunity, sharing them what the possibility is of, you know, moving forward into something that they're not really familiar with and inviting them to, to participate in and have them be the one to decide whether they want to do it or not. If they don't, that's great. If they do, that's great. And but I wanted to kind of give a bit of a background on that story because I think that's why um, a lot of people have such fear around selling and that ick, icky feeling that comes up when it comes to marketing and selling because they're, they've, been, they've had experience of you know, being on the other end of those you know, murky sales conversations, those murky campaigns where all they're trying to do is convince people to buy something that they don't really need. Whereas my philosophy around marketing and sales is, you know, find people that you know have a problem or at least you think have a problem and go and ask them about that. And if you, what you think is true that they do have a problem, give them a possibility of a solution and invite them into it. If they don't want to do it, then that's up to them. But if they do, then, you know, that's what we're here for is to help people solve their problems. That's I don't so know if that made any sense, but it sounded pretty good at the time. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's totally awesome. And, you know, I, I've spoken a lot on the podcast about, you know, the basis of, of any kind of action is your thoughts, your beliefs, and whether it's action or inaction. I mean, it, it stems from that very beginning. It stems from, you know, like you said, the belief or the fear. So the belief was I'm going to get rejection or I'm not worthy or what have you, which then puts you in that place of fear, right? That feeling. And then the the action was avoidance, right? So it's, it's so interconnected. And mm -hmm. when you're able to get to that place where you're reminding yourself really of what you can do, you're focusing on the options of the ways that you've actually gone forward and done something really spectacular, which does help, you know, in some possible way, you're going to make an impact on another person. And that could actually be positive or negative, right? <laughs> and so how you're choosing to show up in a more positive mindset to say, I am going to be curious. I am going to ask some questions. I am going to put it out there, right? Without the fear of rejection, because at the end of the day, if I don't do it, what am I holding myself back from, right? Putting it back onto yourself. And when you do do it, right? Make the invitation or put something out there or say hello, then the opportunity for it to come to something, you know, in a positive way, right. To be the, uh, be a positive result is extremely possible, mm -hmm. but you got to at least give it a shot. And so it takes practice. I know for myself, it takes, you know, repetition. It takes seeing it actually work a couple of times mm -hmm. to then be like, yeah, you know what? The next time I put myself into that place of fear or, you know, think something's going to happen. I'm going to remind myself that I've done this before. I know that it's possible. I got to get this other stuff out of the way and, and remove the, the judgment even, right? The stories that we're telling ourselves in our head as to why something may not actually work out. Cause it's very likely it's just a story, mm -hmm. you know? Yep, so, absolutely. So I love the fact that um, woven into the, um, the level six approach woven into the way that, you know, coaches can help serve clients, but especially 
small business owners who are, you know, especially now in a, you know, a place of fear, a place of overwhelm, this place of unknown, all of these things, reminding people and businesses how they can get to a place of, you know, moving themselves forward, continuing to fight those, you know, gremlins or the inner critics and all the things that are going on in their head right now as to what might not work out and really get them into a place of action and intention and positive movement. Like, do you feel like right now there's an opportunity for small businesses to actually do better? Oh, I think there's an amazing opportunity for it right now to do better. I mean, it's like, if you think about the, um, you know, the financial crash in the 1930s, right? There was more millionaires that were created during that time than there was, you know, up until that point because people took action when the market was low, right? They invested, you know, when, when the prices were down so that when the prices start going back up again, their success is exponential, right? And it's the same time right here, right now with, I would say not all because some people just have a business model that doesn't make sense and they provide a product and service that, Nobody's going to want to be buying right now because it, this doesn't make sense. But for the most part, the businesses who uh, provide good, high-quality products and services that um, do improve the quality of living for their clients, now is the perfect time to be investing in figuring out how to make their business stronger um, because they have the time, right? And, yes, there's going to be people who are struggling financially, um, but I think for the most part, nine out of the ten businesses I've spoken to in the last few weeks – they have enough revenue to be able to keep themselves afloat for the next six months. And if they don't, we can figure out how to figure help them go out and achieve it. And, and that's one of the main reasons I wanted to get level six off the ground now is because we have this team of coaches that you know can go out there and share this, this information with these small business owners who are suffering. And, you know, and I, I, I want to use that word suffering because they're, they're suffering because of mindset. You know, there's the, there's the reality of um, the economic impact from the coronavirus. But it doesn't, need, that, it doesn't mean that we need to suffer from it. You know, what's, the, what's they say? The pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. <laughs> right? Because the suffering comes from what we think about things that are happening out in the outside world, right? And how we interpret what's going on in the outside world. And that's why I love, you know, being in the coaching space and helping people identify that how they're thinking about things that are happening out there is really what's driving what's going on in here, which also, if you look at the bigger scheme of things is really what's driving what's going on out there. Uh, so, you know, the mindset piece and recognizing that what we think about things is um, 99 times more important than what's actually happening. Yeah. It's the difference between the truth and what's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's true to us in that moment. Yes. Um, but of course you've got, you know, especially in these times, you've got to look at your marketing message as well, because what you were doing six weeks ago before the virus really hit the U S was probably not working today. Um, so you will need to figure out how to redefine your message and target to what's going on in people's mindsets today, which is really what um, branding and marketing has always been about is connecting with people with where their minds are at right now. And, you know, opening up a possibility of a solution to whatever problem they're experiencing. And if you can speak to where their heads are at right now, then, you know, that's 90% of the battle. Right. And also not being so stuck in how, what we used to do or how we used to do it or how we used to communicate or whatever, being okay with saying, you know what, that might just have to change and changes, changes good. And, 
you know, sometimes it's like when you're, you know, kind of in this normal path, normal, like routine of doing stuff. And then all of a sudden things completely change, like out of nowhere, which is pretty much what happened all of a sudden it was like, you know, everything's stopping. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of gives you a chance to like look up from what you were doing and doing and doing. And now if you're open to it, if you've got the mindset that there's opportunities being able to see what they are, you know, but sometimes you just are so in the routine. And so, you know, kind of just keep doing what you're doing and you may never have wanted to look up and say, is there a way I can, you know, improve this. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm hearing from a lot of people and, you know, talking with some small business owners is that they're actually excited about that Mm -hmm. and also scared and also afraid of what, you know, the unknowns are, but being able to say, well, let's focus on what we can control right now and not worry about the other pieces there's more of an opportunity to work on the business mm-hmm. and actually get you to that place of strength, get you to be able to open your doors again, because your clients and your customers and your patients, they want you to be successful. They want you to be there in six weeks or a month or however long it takes. They don't want to see you go away. So, you know, one of the things I've come up a few times is, you know, business owners saying, well, I don't want to charge for stuff or I don't want to, you know, I don't want to add to the, um, you know, people's financial struggles right now. Like people can't really pay for what I have to offer and I don't want to ask them and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I have, you know, some other folks that say, well, but if you don't do that, how will you survive? And how will you be open for the long term? Like for those people that you've been trying to serve for this long, like if you've been around for 10 years, why, why give up now and not be there for another 10 years? They really want you to succeed. So I'm just curious about your, your thoughts around this whole fear of people spending and businesses not wanting to necessarily ask or burden their, you know, customers with, with, you know, paying for what they have. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess, um, you know, to me, it comes back down to the reality of, um, if you can afford to, um, be there for your customers and deliver your products and services when you know that they're hurting, that's going to build relationship. It's mm-hmm. going to create trust and it's going to create some very long-term relationships with them. But the fact of the matter is if you don't have money to keep the lights on and, you know, put food on the table, um, you got to be charging. Right. Um, and so a friend of mine in Australia the other day was telling me about his consultant or his coach that he's been working with for three or four years now. He basically said, I'm going to put you on a, a six month um, pro bono cycle, right? We're going to work together for the next six months. I'm not going to expect a dime from you, but at the end of that, we're going to renegotiate and we're going to come up with a much longer, more lucrative contract. Um, I didn't quite see the, um, the value in him doing that, but I did see the results of how much respect that he got from his clients as a result of doing that. And, um, but to me at the same time, um, you know, if that guy's already, if that person or if that individual has money in the bank and they can afford to do that, um, why not? But I would imagine that doesn't work for most of the businesses that are, you know, struggling today, right? Because if you look at the numbers of small businesses in the U.S., I think what there's about 30 million of them, I think, in the U.S. And if I'm not mistaken, there are about 24 or 25 million of those are solopreneurs, right? And if they're not working, if they're not charging money, they've got no income coming in, they're not paying the bills, they're not putting food on the table. And so I would probably be looking at it based on what we talked about originally as far as business exists to solve problems, right? And 
if that is true, there's probably more problems in today's world than there were six weeks ago, right? So you've got a much bigger and better opportunity to go out there and solve more people's problems um, with whatever it is that you specialize in, that you're passionate about, that you're good at, that you've been given, you've been given the gifts to be able to go out there and share um, and still charge a pretty reasonable fee for it because people want to have their problems solved and they want to feel like they're being taken care of. And people are going to be happy to invest in that. And doing it without the fear of the rejection, without the, you know, if you're showing up in an authentic way, and like you said, really showing that there's, there's a problem that can be solved with the solution that you have to offer, mm -hmm. then you're going to invite people, right? And attract the people that need that yep. in a really authentic way. And, you know, it, it continues on to grow and build and support the business, which right now is, is definitely vital you know? And so, um, I, I appreciate the fact that you're able to look at it differently too, because you know what, even level six took a little bit of a, like not a change in direction, but more of like, Hey, how can we show up in a way that's going to be helpful for clients right now? And also knowing this is our philosophy. This is the long-term mission of how level six helps small businesses transform. So, you know, we're doing it in our own businesses and at the same time also helping to consult and coach other businesses in the same way. Because you know what? We're walking the walk, right? Yeah. And if we take it back to the core of the level six energy, right? Everybody wins. You know, how do we create a solution um, where everybody's getting what they need and everybody's being prosperous? That's really what drove that shift was, well, let's figure out a way that is going to be prosperous for the coaches. It's going to be prosperous for level six and it's going to be prosperous for their clients. And, you know, we came up with that. So, and I think it's brilliant. And um, it's something that I had already, I had had on the roadmap, but I guess the universe had other plans, right? It wasn't a, it wasn't a future-based thing. It was a right now thing. We need to be doing it right now. So um, the universe has a way of um, giving us a kick in the ass every now and again, you know, <laughs> in the direction that it wants us to go. So good. So good. Um, you shared with me also a mantra, which I, I meant to bring up before because it's exactly what we were talking about. But um, you shared with me, it's a, it's a quote by Henry Ford, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Mm -hmm. That one is so good. Um, it goes back to a lot of what we we're talking about, but just share with me why that mantra, that quote really sticks with you. That's interesting. I mean, without getting to the core of it and saying, well, that's the, that's the ultimate primary driver, right? As our core beliefs of what we can and what we can't do um, really drive the way that we show up in the world. Um, if I believe that I, I can run, you know, a four minute mile, I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm just going to figure out how, right? Because the how always comes second. Um, it's the what and the decision that you make that you're going to do something because you can do it. You may not be able to do it yet, but you know that you can in the future, right? Um, and it's knowing that when you try something for the first time, you're going to suck at it. Um, and being okay with sucking is probably the key to most success in life. Um, when you try something for the first time, you can't expect that you're going to be brilliant at it, right? And it's like, I'll not use business terms, marketing sales. So if you haven't done it before, you haven't succeeded, you don't have a good coach, you're going to suck. And if you've got the mindset of, well, I'm not very good at this, so I'm not going to do it anymore, then you're probably going to quit. But if you've got the mindset of, well, I'm not very good at this because I'm not supposed to be good at it right now because I'm just starting and I'm just figuring out how the, how the wheels turn, um, 
but in order to get better at it, I got to be willing to suck. And I'm getting, tomorrow I'm going to suck a little bit less and the day after that, I'm going to suck a little bit less. Um, but if I'm coming in from the mindset that I can do this, I just don't know how yet, or I'm not, I haven't done it well enough yet, but I'm, at some point I will. That's and here's my plan to be able to get there. Keyword being yet, which I appreciate. And <laughs> I've sucked at a lot of things over and over. Um, yeah. But it's also being able to show up. And, and my, one of my favorite words is audacity, you know, and showing up with the audacity and being excited about failing in a really positive way because you know you're going to learn something mm -hmm. and so that yet piece of it is kind of like you got to also give yourself permission and grace to say i'm gonna give myself some time and remove the pressure of everything having to be so good right now mm -hmm. you know and that can be really difficult whether it's a sport whether it's a business whether it's you know a relationship you know we put such big expectations out there and don't always realize sometimes it's going to take you know James Clear's approach, right? 1% improvement, 1% improvement over and over to get there. And then all of a sudden one day, boom, you're just like, wow, I actually did that so much better than I had done it a month ago or six months ago and mm -hmm. giving yourself the credit for that. Right. And it typically happens a lot faster than one anticipates. Yeah. You know, yeah. Improvement happens quickly. A thousand percent. With the right mindset. Um, We've talked a lot about level six and, and, and I know, you know, again, right now there's a lot of small business owners out there and whether, you know, they're listening or, or people listening know of a small business owner that might really need some help. Um, just even a conversation about where they're at, what's going on and, and how they might, you know, be able to use some support. Can you give listeners um, ways that they can find you, find level six, all of the good resources for them? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. So I guess the first answer to that is they can, you know, call you because, you know, you know how to find us, right? Um, but yeah, if they're, um, one of the things that I like about Level 6 and the approach that we do it is, you know, we want to spend at least two hours with somebody before we move into a long-term engagement, right? So we can, we can sit down and we can do that two-hour business evaluation. We can look at their strengths, their weaknesses and the gaps, and we'll come up with a recommendation for what they can do and what they probably should do if they want to get their business to the next level and get out of the rut that they're in right now. Um, and if they're interested in doing that, they can um, go to level6transformation.com um, or they can go to you know, level six small business transformation on the Facebook page. And, but yeah, typically level6transformation.com is where they want to go and they want to go ahead and submit an introduction form and, to have a 30 minute conversation with me about what we do um, in a little bit more detail, that would be awesome. Excellent. And I will make sure I put that into the notes and you're right. People can also reach out to me directly because mm -hmm. I am a proud member of the level six team. Um, I can certainly connect anybody um, to those resources. So Kara, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, just sharing your story, sharing your insights. I mean, just, it's really powerful stuff. I so appreciate your time and, you know, giving those insights to our listeners. That's been my pleasure. And thank you for having me on your show. It's my first podcast. So I'm not as nervous as I was 45 minutes ago. <laughs> you rocked it. Um, and, and thank you for, to everyone for listening. And like I mentioned, please share this with somebody that you think might really benefit from this conversation. Um, you know, take a moment to subscribe and uh, with love and laughter, have an awesome day.